emotionally input 12 minutes of dull screaming pause the podcast for like 12 minutes let out a 12 minute long dull scream then come back and we'll go from there hello and welcome to the sensations podcast i'm eliza and i know for a fact that if foolish ones had been on the original version of speak now they would have had Rachel Berry sing that and it would have been the next Don't Rain On My Parade. I want to say it's like Tina's song, though. I know they would have given it to Rachel. Yeah, it's definitely like more. It's so Tina coded. It's like so obviously Tina coded. But mm-hmm. like they would have Rachel sing it. And in fact, I am so glee pilled that yeah. my head can already hear Leah Michelle butchering those high notes. Hi everyone, my name is Olive, and although I don't usually give information on the general area with that we live within, I am going to Raleigh GalaxyCon in a couple weeks, and I would like it known that Grant Gustin charges too much for an autograph. <laughs> Can you guess how much Grant Gustin's autograph is? $200? Oh, okay, well, it's $110. Yeah, that's still too much, but, like, I was highballing it. Can I tell you, can I tell you other guests at this event? Don Bluth is going to be there. Oh, my God. And his autograph is only $100. Grant Gustin thinks that he's, his autograph is worth more than Don Bluth's. Isn't that insane? That's bonkers. I guess, like, maybe the logic is that Grant Gustin is such, like, a barely anybody that you know, people who want his autograph are going to be willing to pay that $110. So he is the Flash. To his credit, it's a geek con, and it, and he is the Flash. That's fair. However, me and my little Glee podcast, I was like, maybe I can get Grant Gustin to talk about his time on Glee, just like I did with Barry Bostwick. No, 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 no. $110? Fuck that, man. Yeah. Anyway, um, so this episode that we're starting with is called The Spanish Teacher. Um, This one's rough. Yeah, we, I'm just going to dive right in because that's how the episode treats us. We open with what is essentially a jump scare where Will Schuster greets us with a rendition of La Cucaracha where he, Finn, Huck, and Artie are all dressed in ponchos, sombreros, playing guitar and Artie has little maracas and they're putting on very thick Spanish accents. It's genuinely horrific to watch. Yeah. And he's performing it in his Spanish class because in case you've forgotten at this point in season three, Will Schuster does get paid to be a Spanish teacher. We see Santana like right in the front row and she is just glaring daggers at him. Everyone else in the classroom is also just like, agog aghast at what they're seeing because even in 2012 it's like maybe you should know not to put on a sombrero and a fake spanish accent and do a silly little song because it's taco tuesday and in will schuster's like voiceover he's like oh i'm coming to realize that i'm out of touch with the kids and it's like yeah will you are It's less you're out of touch with the kids and more you are grossly out of touch with the culture you are purporting to be teaching. Yeah, yeah. It's one thing if you want to be like, I'm going to teach a Spanish class because I speak Spanish 
that's one thing. And I do think when I took a French class, we learned a lot about, you know, French culture. So like Parisian French versus like Moroccan French versus Canadian French. Sure. And there is a way to look into those kind of things without fucking this. Because it is 2012. YouTube fully exists. If you are so insistent on showing your students this song, look it up on YouTube and find an actual mariachi band doing it. Oh, yeah. He says it's his yearly rendition. He does this every year because it's Taco Tuesday. He's not doing this as like a connection with the culture or whatever. It's just a silly little bit he does that he thinks is fun. And so obviously, like with uh, Will's voiceover, we cut to him like being called into the principal's office. And lo and behold, Figgins is telling him that a student complained. And Will is like, who could have possibly complained? And it's like, I don't know, anyone in your fucking class? Anyone who had to fucking sit through that? He recognized that his students were like not into this performance. Figgins basically tells him that, you know, there have been some other teachers who've been let or a teacher who was let go recently. And now a tenured position opens up. Figgins would like to give the spot to Will because I guess he's been teaching for a a while. But you can't become a tenured, tenured teacher if you're constantly having students complain about you. Yep. And if we can't trust you to not have public relations problems with any of our students and their families, like, then that definitely puts your role at the school in general in jeopardy. And so Will goes like, oh, well, what do I do? And Figgins goes, you're a Spanish teacher. You could try learning Spanish. Yep. And so with that sentiment from Figgins, um, we cut into a like night school Spanish class taught by no other than Ricky Martin, Mr. Livin' La Vida Loca himself. Which is such a bizarre choice. It's such a 2012 cameo. Yeah, similarly to Two Cellos, but also Ricky Martin was actually, I like, not just internet famous, he was, like, famous famous. He was famous famous. Um, And in case you thought this was going to be an episode where you know, no more microaggressions happened and everyone just, you know, learned everything in the most ethical and uh, conducive way possible. There is one woman in the class who says she's only taking the class so that she can learn how to say, stop using my toilet to the maid. Which is awful. It is set up in here. Cool trick that we will keep in mind later. The teacher that was forced to retire was the history teacher. So just um, and so uh, Ricky Martin as this teacher, um, David Martinez. So David is actually quite a good teacher. And he's like making sure that all of his students understand that, you know, by 2030, a majority of Americans will speak Spanish and use it as their primary language. So it's important to be a forward thinker and listen and learn because that's what we're all here to do. And afterwards, Will comes up to him and is like, wow, you're really fucking good at this. And it's like, yeah, Will, this is what happens when someone knows how to teach the subject that they are employed to teach. Yep. Sometimes they're good at it. Yeah. Uh, And he's really good at like helping students understand why the subject is important. 
which I don't think Will has done. He's, you know, done it with his glee club because he thinks music is important. Will Schuster does not think speaking Spanish is important. I agree. Yeah, they settle down to a little coffee and um, Will asks, you know, why don't you get a regular job teaching? And Ricky Martin's like, well, we're in a fucking recession. You try getting a job, Uh, especially... I, I think he says some things that maybe imply like a background with immigration. He says his parents were from Chile. And so, you know, he might not have all of the same opportunities a man like Will Schuster has had to get a job right after college. You know, yep. he does say that he was a tooth model for a while because Ricky Martin has just the most perfect pair of pearly whites you've ever seen. Yep. And he says, you know, I realized I was spending so much time flossing. I was missing my life and I want to make a difference. Uh, And so he wants to teach kids and give them something useful. And again, this is like something Will Schuster has never heard of in relation to Spanish, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Will definitely relates to a lot of the things that David is saying, but he is relating them to like, yeah, my passion for music, my passion for Glee Club, not my passion for Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, David has this idea of like teaching the students Latin music. And if you get those kids singing in Spanish, they might have an easier time learning the language or connecting with the language more. Um, Or just in general, be more excited about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which I actually think is a great idea. Props to David for being a good teacher. Um, and so David is going to come in uh, throughout the week and like... It feels like so little happens this episode. I just feel like in a different episode of Glee, it's like, here's our A plot, here's our B plot. This, th- there's no ble- B plot this episode. Yeah, I... There's something about this episode that feels like the writers went, oh shit, we established Will was the Spanish teacher in season one. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Quick. Let's let's come up with a way to like retcon it that he can be some other type of teacher at the school. But I feel like you could just like toss in maybe Will grew up in a Spanish speaking neighborhood. Maybe he studied abroad. Like you could just come up with a reason for him to be good at speaking Spanish and just be a good Spanish teacher who respects the culture and like uses resources of people who are native Spanish speakers who are from that culture to facilitate teaching whereas they were like what if we just what if it was just haha will schuster's really xenophobic yeah there's something very meaningless about this episode because up until now you know we've known will schuster wasn't the best spanish teacher in the world but it's been kind of passively assumed that he was at least decent at his job instead in this episode it's very clearly established he barely speaks any spanish does not give a shit about the language at all. That did not have to be established. They did not have to have an episode establishing that. We could have gone on assuming the same thing we were assuming up until this point. So why are we here? Genuinely, why are we here? Well, we're here to uh, have another absolutely miserable scene where we cut to Sue Sylvester meeting with a bunch of the Glee Club boys in the choir room where she is trying to encourage them to donate sperm to a sperm bank. And Will walks in on them and goes, hey, you can't do that. 
And Sue goes, well, I've decided to have a child. Weird thing to ask high schoolers to do. What it is is illegal. What it is is illegal. This is a crime. This is a crime. Obviously, Sue is the one committing the illegal act here. However, I will, has Will Schuster done anything illegal this week? He does not immediately tell the authorities about this conversation. Yeah. Bonkers. Um, this is, again, again, I feel like just the writer's way of going like, hmm, we need a way to establish this plot point. Throw in a weird scene because because there's no other way that Sue would in character bring this up organically to Will Schuster other than having it sprung on him like this. And so she reveals that like after everything that happened with her sister and after the bond that she's had with Becky, she wants to um, have a baby. And so she already had her eggs frozen uh, back in the 70s. And he goes, oh, I didn't know they had that technology in the 70s. And she goes, oh, I did it myself. This is also weird Sue lore where, like, isn't it established that she's 30? They like, go so back and forth on what her age fucking is. And and it's hilarious every time. But Oh, for I just, sure. I felt the need to point it out. Um, Yeah. And so she's like, I'm ready to start a family. And, you know, there's this tenured position opening up at our school. And I'm a shoe-in. Uh, however, Sue, you aren't a teacher. Yeah. So does Sue teach gym? No, because I thought Beast was gym coach. Yeah, Beast. And then and then in season one, Ken was gym coach. So, uh, yeah. Um, however, this brings up um, more complaints about Sue's teaching style because students are also regularly complaining about, oh, you know, Sue doing wildly inappropriate things with students. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so people have also complained about her teaching style. And then lo and behold, Roz Washington walks in, who you might remember from uh, Sam's synchronized swimming team, because the school does not have the budget for multiple handicapped ramps. It does have the budget for a gym teacher slash football coach, a cheerleading coach, and a synchronized swimming coach, all in the budget. Um, and so Roz is here to be uh, the antagonist to Sue, basically, because Sue isn't quite so much, from a plot standpoint, she's not as much of an antagonist to the Glee Club anymore. She's definitely still horrible to them, but she's not actively trying to harm them. Yeah. So we need, you know, some other kind of antagonistic force to come into the plot um and Roz is challenging Sue and saying you know the Cheerios didn't win nationals last year and tenured spots are for winners to which I say has McKinley's synchronized swimming team won anything ever I wouldn't know because they only just brought it up I hate this show yeah, and so she she also calls Sue old and goes, like, you're past your competitive edge. Um, so we need someone young and new on the scene to bring this school up. And so, uh, obviously, this enrages Sue because she's never been challenged with her position before. Occasionally, the budget will be questioned a little bit. But for the most part, she rules the school with an iron fist. And the only person who can take her down is Needy Leaks. I mean, if anyone can. 
cut to the first Glee Club meeting of the episode, and I'm going to explain this exchange because it's just a little rough where Will walks in and writes 2030 on the board. He goes, where do you think you'll be in the year 2030? And Rachel and Kurt say, Broadway, twinsies at the same time. Artie, Artie says walking, which as we all know, Kevin McHale is an able-bodied actor who can walk. And then Puck says in jail or dead or both. And I'm just going to let that lie. That sure is a line that they put on this fucking TV show. Does and I have the gift of prophecy? I mean, there are absolutely videos on YouTube of, like, Glee telling the future. So, yeah. uh, Will, you know, begins his lesson and says, you know, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're going to be going to need to be able to speak Spanish by 2030, which is interesting. I don't know where they are getting this statistic from. And I don't know enough to combat it necessarily. I do think Spanish is a growing language used in the United States. Yeah, I, I'm questioning where they're getting this s- statistic. Not because I'm like, I don't think it's that important to learn Spanish. I absolutely think that if you can learn Spanish, you should learn Spanish. I also, I think this was really a rather progressive thing for them to put on TV in an era where, you know, you're in America, learn to speak American was a very popular outlook to have on uh yeah people coming to the country speaking other language languages and so for an episode of glee it's kind of trying to put forward this kind of progressive message of like hey america does not have a national language you can come to america and speak english spanish whatever else and spanish is growing in uh cultural relevancy however They are going about delivering that message in an absolutely unhinged, negative way. Yeah, well, and it's it's interesting because when it comes from David Martinez's perspective and teaching style, I want to listen to it. And yet, when it comes from Will Schuster, I'm like, "Shut up! You're you don't know shit." And so he announces to everyone that you know they're going to be performing um, songs that are written or performed by someone Latin or of Latin descent or English songs, but performing them bilingually. Very funny to me how in this whole episode about speaking or not speaking and learning or not learning Spanish, never once is Spain mentioned. Yeah. Well, Ricky Martin, it's interesting. He is actually of Spanish descent. However, in the episode, they say he has, his parents are Chilean. Um, um, I thought you were going to bring up the fact that after Will Schuster says that songs can be English songs can be formed bilingually. Brittany says, Oh, I'm bilingual. Yeah. As in, as in I'm bi, which is maybe the only time on this show someone brings up being bi without it immediately being met with a wall of biphobia. But that's because it's Brittany and she confuses words and she doesn't know what she's saying and it's a joke. Santana, of course, questions, you know, why this, why now? And Will announces to everyone, like, well, I just love all things Latin, Latin food, Latin art, Latin people. And Santana goes, you don't know any Latin people. And he introduces David Martinez, who I guess is the one Latin person who he knows. This episode, cringe per capita, is so high. Yeah. Um, Specifically R.E. Will Schuster. 
he comes in speaking in Spanish and says, sorry, I'm late. I was flossing because we cannot stop commenting on how perfect his teeth are. I think Will immediately fucks up. He says, um, like, oh, I thought you would, um, would come in and help us get our duende on. And uh, Santana says that means dwarf. Um, and Will tries to correct himself and says like, oh, but I was speaking metaphorically as like, oh, to be filled with Spanish soul and Spanish passion, which is just, it's so clearly like the only idea of Spain and Latin America he has in his mind are stereotypes of the people being like Latin lovers or like sexy, feisty, spicy. And speaking of sexy, Ricky Martin performs LMFAO's Sexy and I Know It bilingually he sings it partially in spanish that's fun and everything but also not a song to sing with high schoolers absolutely not it is incredibly sexual i would say it's up there with like holly holidays numbers where it's like why are you allowed to be doing this in the presence of teenagers he is performing the hell out of it though it's ricky martin well yeah yeah that's what you need to know it's ricky martin he's doing a bang up fucking job at one point santana like slaps her ass as as he's doing the like girl look at that body and it's like oh my god there's some fun choreo where like he teaches finn how to do body rolls and finn is of course bad at it they're all having a fun old time and because that is such a big hit uh we go from there to a scene in uh emma's office where Sam and Mercedes are coming for like not quite couples counseling because they're not a couple, but they are explaining to Emma, okay, you know, we used to date and then he moved away. I'm dating another guy now, but I might kind of like Sam again. We kissed and I don't know how to, what to do. I feel for Mercedes in this situation because I think she is someone who for so long lived without any romantic attention and now truly does not know how to handle herself like how to handle this without hurting one boy or the other yeah however the way to not hurt someone is to not kiss someone else while dating them fairly straightforward i think it's it's actually like really easy not to i i think the best course of action now would be for her to break up with Shane. Or at the very least, tell Shane what happened and let him decide if he wants to break up with her. Yeah, yeah. Like, honesty is the best policy. And Emma brings out various pamphlets that say, so you're a two-time in ho, or so you're dating a two-time in ho. And Mercedes is like, you know, I just I, love I- the sexism inherent here. Oh, absolutely. That like Sam's not doing anything wrong. Although Sam is absolutely the one who is like pursuing the hell out of her. Yep. Not that Mercedes is innocent by any means, but she did give him a pretty clear no. And he just lured her into the most romantic situations possible. Mm hmm. Yeah. They're both at fault, to be clear. I just feel like there are steps you could take from this point on to ensure that people are hurt as little as possible, but that's not what happens. And, you know, 
Emma says there's a lot of communication with like texting and social media these days. You need to have quiet time with yourself to make informed decision, which I do think is very good advice. Like Mercedes, maybe don't be thinking about either of these boys right now. Be thinking about what you truly feel inside. Because if you're in love with Shane, then the Sam thing shouldn't be an issue. But if you think you like Sam, maybe think on that more. Yeah. This, it, uh, there's something, it's not the character's fault because this is a fictional 30 minute TV show and we need to get things done within a certain amount of time. But it's like, Mercedes, maybe just take a couple days and think about it. Have you, have you tried that? Take the weekend. And don't think about what Shane wants. Don't think about what Sam wants. Think about what Mercedes wants. And that will probably help people get less hurt in the long run if you are able to effectively communicate your feelings about those things. Yeah. Yeah. And so and so Emma advises that she and Sam not spend a week not thinking, not talking to each other, not emailing, texting, social media, messaging, nothing. So and that, I definitely think there's a point to that. Yeah, especially if, you know, if Mercedes is going to then go talk to Shane about this, it's important that she have distance from Sam so that Shane doesn't feel more insecure. Uh, similarly to them just deciding that Will is actually a bad Spanish teacher, yeah. they will act as if Emma is so bad at her job, and then she actually gives very good advice sometimes. Yeah, and there's, they end this scene with a weird sentiment where Emma's like, yay, not speaking. And for someone like Emma... I'm like, okay, no, my advice to Emma most of the times is like, no, you need to talk to people about your feelings. You need to be communicating more with them in the moment. However, part of communicating with them is like knowing what you want to communicate. And I don't think Mercedes knows that right now. Yeah. And so we we have a little uh, Cheerios performance here where Roz has sort of, usurped uh sue's place with the cheerios and has choreographed this entire number sue is incredibly unhappy with this why was this allowed did figgins say that she had to let roz do things now or it... i maybe maybe roz is like the assistant cheerleading teacher right now or something like that maybe assistant gym teacher I'm confused at Roz Washington's place at this school. Yeah. Yeah. She's like helping coach the Cheerios, even though it doesn't seem to be part of her job description. But anyway, uh, Roz is making the point that like the Cheerios need new, more modern dance moves. And like, wasn't it a whole thing in an earlier season that Sue wanted to shoot them out of a cannon? So like, I don't think modern dance moves is the Cheerios problem. Yeah, no. That they're just not exciting enough to watch. Like, no, they're exciting. And so, obviously, Sue hates this. Says, you know, you're just waiting for me to take maternity leave, and then you're going to swoop in and steal my job. And Roz goes, hold up, maternity leave? With whose vagina? On the one hand, it is a funny joke. On the other hand, it's like, maybe she is adopting. Fuck you. You should get maternity leave if you adopt. You should. But it's it's the way she delivers it too. Like Nene Leakes is so funny in this role. Even if you don't like the character Roz Washington that much, I just think she does a good job, like stealing the scene. 
Oh, she for goes, sure. You can't have no baby. You are old as a hill. You're going to give birth to a grandchild. Which, again, we have no idea how old Sue is. So Truly no idea. There is yeah. something about this, this Sue plot line that just feels like an opportunity to make fun of older mothers. My mom was technically a geriatric pregnancy. Really? Yeah, technically, if you're older than 35, it's considered a geriatric pregnancy. And my mom had her kids at 35, 38, and 40. That is so wild. Anyway. But Sue is, it's established that Sue froze her eggs, so I don't know why they're acting like it's, like, impossible. Like, technically speaking, there can be more complications. Right. But also, like, we live in the 21st century and we have medicine that can help with that now. Well, and in the case of Glee specifically, I'm like, it just feels like an opportunity for them to be, like, old people. A woman who's not 27 having a child? Gasp. Horror. We go from there to a little scene with Rachel, Mercedes, Kurt watching Twilight, I guess. And Mercedes is watching it and being like, oh, how does she choose between two men? Because that's the plot of Twilight. And meanwhile, Rachel is watching it and being like, oh, my God, if it's true love, you must just know. And then you're married to them and you have to be married to them forever. And Kurt's like, hmm, are you guys maybe taking this a little too seriously because something else is going on they absolutely are kurt very astutely observed kurt says why are you being so weird and serious our periods don't come to the end of the until the end of the month our periods i mean i guess kurt hummeld could be transgender but i know that that's not what that was intended what was intended was haha gay man basically a woman funny joke funny haha Rachel then announces to them, or she pulls the engagement ring that she's wearing around her neck as a, a necklace and announces to them that Finn proposed and she said yes. And they're both like, oh my God, are, are you insane? And she's like, you know, I, I, you know, I'm still going to go to New York. I'm still going to go to New York. But when I think of all my dreams in the future, Finn is right there beside me. But like However, he can be beside you, but not your, as your husband. My thing is like, Okay, fine, fine. You can get engaged right now. Why do you have to get married? Why do you have to get married? You can just be engaged for a while. Have a long engagement. That's fine. I guess she does make a semi-good point to Kurt where she's a... Kurt is, of course, like, not too happy about this. But she says, you know, what would you do if Blaine proposed to you today? And it's like, well, you know, you would say yes to the person you're in love with, I guess. But also, no, I think there are times you have to step back and practically say, we're in high school. And I think that Kurt would say that. Especially considering Blaine is a year younger than him. If Blaine proposed and he still had a year of high school left. Bonkers. And so, you know, Mercedes is like, well, aren't you scared? You're making the wrong choice. But Rachel says, well, I know I have the right person. And the scary part was choosing to know it, which is an interesting sentiment. There's a lot to be said about, like, choosing to know something. Rachel could have just as easily chosen to know that she wasn't going to end up with Finn and, you know, take solace in that knowledge. Mm -hmm. In the case of uh, Mercedes, of course, she doesn't know who she wants to be with. And we cut to her singing uh, I, I Don't Want to Lose You by Gloria Estefan, which is 
a beautiful Mercedes number and is also textbook. You know that Ariana Grande sound clip where she goes, oh, cat, you're not supposed to be speaking. And she goes, she didn't say I couldn't sing. Yeah. Where Emma's advice was like, don't talk to Sam for a week. And Mercedes is directly singing to him for a majority of the song. She's not speaking to him. She's singing to him. She's singing. Um, It's quite good, though. And she does it, like, mostly in Spanish. I think she only does maybe the first verse. It's mostly in Spanish. I think it's a really good and creative way to do the song. Obviously, Amber Riley is fantastic with any song they give her on this show. And then we go, it's commercial break. These songs aren't back-to-back, but we go from there straight into Sam's number, which is a mashup of Bambaleo by Gypsy Kings and Hero by Enrique Iglesias, um, which is a, a number led by Sam, but all the boys are dancing with him. This number is not offensive in the same way La Cucaracha was. However, they're performing it in like bolo ties and like the big, long, pointy shoes that I don't know the name of. And there is something that feels a little weird still about like, putting on the costume pieces for the song you remember that the tiktok sound that's like i don't know if this is racist but it just doesn't feel right it's that yeah it's it's a good mashup is what i would say listen listening to it just musically it's good this number is not framed the same way la cucaracha is where like obviously when you watch that scene you're just like horrified at what will schuster is doing whereas this one like everyone's enjoying themselves and i do think there are some marked differences in that like they're not making fun of the number they're performing i guess more traditional dance moves uh and they're all dressed in a certain way because it makes sense with the song as opposed to what will schuster was doing which was like Get it? Mexico, sombrero, taco, which was clearly offensive. So I I don't know. I think someone who knows more about Latin culture should speak on that. But it was just something that made me go a little bit like, we're mad at Will, but not at Sam. He's also, of course, singing directly to Mercedes because again, again, directly. Yeah. She just said they couldn't speak to each other. Never said they couldn't sing love songs to each other, which frankly i mean obviously the kiss will hurt shane's feelings a lot but if shane knew that mercedes was singing these like tragic love songs to her ex-boyfriend at the same time that would also be deeply hurtful i feel i genuinely would be more pissed off about the singing than the kissing because at least the kissing was just like a momentary thing that she like ran away from very quickly as opposed to the like four minute song Bitch, you rehearsed this. You rehearsed this. At the end of uh, Sam's number, everyone's saying like, oh yeah, well, Senor Martinez taught us about the dance and taught us about the Mexican boots. And they say, oh, well, Senor Martinez is like the best Spanish teacher ever, which of course makes Will go, ooh. And Santana says, I can't wait to see your performance, Mr. Shu." Yeah. So we'll see about that. Put a pin in that for now. We cut from there to Emma approaching Sue in the teacher's lounge where they're talking about this tenured position as well. And 
Apparently, Sue has asked Will to donate sperm as well. And Emma is Horrible. like, well, that was, that was inappropriate. And Sue calls her Lady Bird Hollow Pelvis, which is a nickname for the ages. And uh, Emma expresses, you know, she would like a baby as well. And Sue says, I wouldn't get your hopes up. I doubt your avian frame could withstand the rigors of childbirth. The phrasing there is just gold. And, and Emma asks Sue, you know, why would you ask Will to be the sperm donor? Because first of all, that's just a hugely inappropriate thing to ask. But then second of all, you hate Will. And Sue says, I'm cunning. I'm vindictive. I spend a large portion of every day vibrating with a palpable sense of wild, irrational rage. So and true. I don't and I don't ever want my kid to feel that. Which is so, such an interesting self-awareness from Sue. Yeah. To describe it as vibrating with palpable rage is, is Sue's character to a T. And I think it is the archetype that Jane Lynch plays into very well. Yeah. But she says that, you know, anytime that she's insulted Will or always gotten under his skin... He meets her with kindness. And if goodness and op- optimism are genetic, that's what I want for my child. But obviously, Will is not going to do it. It's just a flat out no. Yeah, that's yeah. not something you should ask your coworker. And we cut from there to um, Finn working out. Kurt, Kurt approaches Finn in the locker room and approaches him about, uh, hey, what are you um, thinking about college? Because, you know, there's various theater schools and schools in New York. If you were planning on maybe following a certain someone to New York, um, there's also teams, uh, there's football teams, there's musical theater programs. Finn and- says college isn't for everyone. And Kurt says neither is marriage. And Finn goes, I can't believe she told you. You can't believe that Rachel Berry, noted gossip, noted can't shut up. Noted told, I want attention at all times. Told her best friend about a major thing that happened in her life. Frankly, I can't believe that she waited that long. Kurt brings up some sensitive subjects as well, where he says something about like, you know, I know you found out this huge information about your dad which is obviously something Finn like hasn't brought up to anyone and like, doesn't really want to talk to anyone. And, you know, he's lost this scholarship, which is also something Finn doesn't want to talk about. And Kurt says, you know, you're just as big of a star as Rachel. You don't believe in yourself. And I'm not telling you that you shouldn't marry Rachel. And I think that you'd be lucky to marry her one day, but I don't want you to turn yourself into nothing but the guy who holds her purse on the red carpet. That's the thing. Kurt has a good point here because Finn literally says Rachel is the only good thing I've got going. Yeah. That is such a toxic mindset to fall into. Exactly. To have such little regard for your own personhood is like, that is the biggest red flag. And I don't think that that's like, this is a red flag for their relationship and they shouldn't be together anymore. I think this is a red flag for Finn's mental health and dear god can we get this teenager some help yeah 
given what we know from these scenes, I think the relationship has become a little bit toxic. Not due to anyone's, like, no one's mistreating anyone. It's just a bad situation right now because of where Finn is. And I, I'm not saying they should break up while he, like, you know, finds who he is. Because being in a relationship with Rachel, part of his, you know, sense of personhood could definitely be, I'm Rachel's fiance, I'm Rachel's boyfriend, I'm Rachel's husband. But for him to narrow everything that he is down to just being with Rachel, danger Will Robinson. Yeah, I... Not Pasco, do not collect $200. Yeah, I said it in another episode where we discussed it, but it's also a toxic way to view marriage as like, once I have this wedding ring on, then the person will be trapped with me and they can't leave. Like, that's just not a good reason to enter a marriage, period. Yeah. And then, and and I fully agree with everything you're saying. Like, he is letting go of so much of his own personhood just for the security of not letting Rachel leave. When they did have some security in their relationship beforehand, it's just that he's spiraling about all this other stuff that he can't control right now. And Kurt says, I can't see this proposal as anything else but you giving up on yourself. And of course, that's not how Finn sees it, because I don't think he's put that much thought into it. But it is, it's not giving up on himself as in Finn, you know, doesn't think he'll ever do anything else in his life, but giving up on his personhood aside from Rachel's boyfriend yeah and so we cut to um Sue approaching Santana in the hallway and she calls her sandbags which is a callback to when she got a boob job classic Sue says you know I I know you didn't like being paired with Becky as co-captains of the Cheerios but you've crossed the line now and you've started messing with my family. And Santana is obviously very confused by this, but Sue thinks that Santana was the one who lodged the complaint about her to Figgins. And which of course puts the tenure thing in jeopardy if students are complaining. And she says, you're derailing my bid for tenure when I'm trying to have a baby. And Santana says, a baby with whose vagina? Will approaches and goes, you know, hey, something's going on. Like, you can't be yelling at a student like this. And Sue is like, no one messes with my family. And she, like, says, basically, fuck you, Will. I don't need you anymore. I don't need anyone. And we cut to um, Emma and Will. Uh, back at home, she has just printed out some fresh new pamphlets. But he is, of course, busy uh, translating a song because he really needs to perform this great Spanish number in class this week. And he translates the word conversation to conversation, which is the Spanish word for conversation. And like, God, the fact that even just a slight translation like that, where it's basically just saying the English word, but with a Spanish accent is difficult for him, like says enough. Yeah. And and he goes, you know, this tenure is so important for us. It means we'll always be able to feed our kids, get them health insurance. And I just want to say right now, why does it not even cross Will's mind that Emma could be the one to get tenure? I, okay. 
I think it's because you think tenure, you think teachers, and Emma's not a teacher, she's the guidance counselor. In my mind, I also, like, you think a tenured professor, a tenured teacher. Right. You don't think, like, tenured, you know, guidance counselor, office lead. You don't even think of, like, a tenured principal. You think a teacher. Yeah, I guess so. He even starts kind of ridiculing her pamphlets. She said, you know, he says, these. do you really think the kids take these seriously? And she goes, well, I know the titles are silly, but that's the point. Sometimes you have to be a little provocative to get attention. And she says, you're being really mean. But the way he's behaving here is so patriarchy. Yeah, that's more what I mean. It's the fact that- He's so like, once we start a family, it will be my responsibility to make sure that the kids, you know, financially take care of this whole family. As if they will not be a dual income family. Yeah, as if Emma does not also have a full-time job. And we cut from there to um, David and Santana performing La Isla Bonita by Madonna, which is uh, partially in Spanish, I think is how they perform it. I'm not sure how much of the original song is in Spanish as well. I think maybe just a little bit of the chorus. It's very good. It's a good duet. However, it's another like, should an adult be this close with the She is a high schooler. She is like 17, 18 tops. Um, They've also got these like crazy light shows going on. And I'm not sure since when has the auditorium had this much. It gave me a headache, man. Yeah. If you forget that Naya Rivera is playing a 17, 18 year old, then it's not bad. It's like they're dancing in a nightclub. Will brings up that, um, you know, the number was fantastic. However, you're kind of helping out a little too much with the students, I guess. Maybe he's saying that that it's unfair for a teacher to help with a student's number or something like that. And Will comes up dressed in a uh, like full bullfighter outfit. It is, I would say, actually a pretty accurate costume I guess I don't know where he got the costume they do not say he purchased it from anywhere it is a good costume it is a costume not worn with good intentions is what I would say he does think of this as just like a thing you can put on yeah he thinks of it as a costume and no matter how realistic or true to life it is it's still a costume to him And he performs A Little Less Conversation by Elvis Presley, uh, partially in Spanish. He is performing it in like deep red lighting with, uh, I think, Mike and maybe someone else acting as bulls on stage, basically uh, defeating them with a red piece of fabric as he's performing the song. I do not understand how this visual makes sense with the lyrics of the song. Genuinely. I, I don't know where he got this idea to like. In a way, if Glee were like a smarter show, I would say they did it on purpose that the visuals are incongruous with like the song that he chose. I I guess part of it is because the song talks about like having bite like a bull, I guess. But then that just goes back to Will Schuster really only understanding Latin people in stereotypical forms as like spicy, feisty. It's just offensive. And the song ends and he immediately sees Santana standing up and goes, it was you. 
you're the one who complained to Figgins about me. And she goes, yeah. And I would do it all over again after that performance. It's such a weird hill for Will to die on. I understand how he like thinks that this, that losing this Spanish job would devastate his entire family future. They're in a recession. I understand that feeling like you're about to lose your job is scary, but he, he goes like, you're messing with adult things here, Santana. This is my job. This is my life. And Santana and goes, this is my education and it's not a joke to me, although yeah. it seems to be one to you. They think that this is a good performance because they don't know any better. It's your fault. You're the teacher. You went from La Cucaracha to a bullfighting mariachi. Um, this is another of she's right. She's also praising it in a way that's very funny. Um, why don't you just dress up as the Taco Bell Chihuahua and bark the theme song to Dora the Explorer? And she's right and she should say it. And and she says, you don't even know enough to be embarrassed about the stereotypes that you're perpetuating. And she asks, why did you become a Spanish teacher, Mr. Shu? And he admits it's because it was the only teaching position open at the time. How do you get a job as a Spanish? Did they not even check if he spoke Spanish? I, I just don't understand how he could have taught Spanish for however many years he's been working at this school and not have learned it a little bit more. Because, like, you have to present syllabi. You have to present lesson plans. You yeah. have to get textbooks approved. Like, what was happening here? Yeah. How has he worked here? He's, you know, in his late 30s, let's say. So he's been out of college for at least a decade, if not more. And he hasn't learned more fluency with it, at least. I don't know. I don't know. And she quotes, without passion, you can't succeed. And Will knows that that is his own quote. And so, of course, he hasn't been taking his own words. And so we cut from there, Beast and Emma in the teacher's lounge, where Beast is complimenting all of these wonderful pamphlets that Emma has printed out and how Beast has been able to teach the football team that it is important to wash their private areas and it has like decreased infections and stench in the locker rooms. I think it's Finn who says, I th thought that the hair down there was for catching dirt. And I just, I hate I, it here. I feel like I need to wash my entire body after hearing that line. I'm literally going to go take a shower as soon as we're done recording. <laughs> and we find out that Cooter, which Beast is married to, has ordered 10,000 copies for Ohio State. So apparently they're really, the pamphlets are really taken off. I actually think... The pamphlets are a little stupid, but having been a mentally ill teenager, sometimes you need something that's a little stupid when you're that irony poisoned. I think that the pamphlets are good, actually. Not, I, I'm not saying the contents are good because you never like see the contents, but I think pamphlets in concept are not inherently bad. Yeah, well, and I think that was Emma's point earlier, too. She's like, well, we're working with kids and we need to find ways to reach them the way that a good teacher does. And uh, Beast goes, aren't you proud of her, Will? And Will is, like, having this revelation that, like, whoa, Emma is good at her job. Shocking, I know. Yeah. And um, we cut from there to, I guess, like, the last night school class that Will is going to take with David. Will gets rewarded most improved. And he's like, well, that's not really the award that a Spanish teacher wants to get in a Spanish class. And Will tells David, 
that he, you know, had the kids all go into Principal Figgins and talk to him about how wonderful David is and what a great Spanish teacher he is. And so David is going to become the Spanish teacher at the school. And I don't think they say it in this scene, but Will takes over the history position. Yeah. Um, and David is like, Which, well, like as someone who majored in history, who was in a bachelor's accelerated master's program to become a high school social studies teacher. I hate that on like a personal level, but it is also admittedly so much easier to do. Easier. However, I find the same fault in it where Will is like, oh yeah, sure. I could teach history. I like history. I've seen the history channel. That's not why people go into teaching history, Will. Do you have any fucking idea how complex being a social studies teacher is, Will? It is a lot of people give history ma history teachers flack because they think it's easy, but it's very difficult. And I will get off my soapbox now. David is, of course, overjoyed at this. He was already expressing earlier in the episode how hard it is to find a job. So he's like, this is so wonderful. It's the American dream is what he calls it. And I'm like, I think mm -hmm. a lot of teachers would agree that the way they are treated is not the American dream, but okay. And we find out that the teacher who ended up with the tenured position was Emma, um, which is lovely. I think she absolutely deserves it. Sue also talks to Becky about reclaiming some of her passions. And she reveals that she has, has discovered that Becky was the one who made the complaint about her because Becky has been worried that Sue is not as focused on the Cheerios as she used to be now that she is thinking about having a baby. And this also, I think, is a nice moment between Sue and Becky where she's like, you know, motherhood is a beautiful, wonderful thing for my life. However, you are still important to me. The Cheerios are still important. Destroying my enemies is still important to me. <laughs> it's and a so, very sweet Sue and Becky moment, and I love it. We also uh, don't so much get a resolution to the Sam and Mercedes thing as we do get an exchange where they approach each other in the hallway, seem like they're going to say something, and then Shane comes up and asks Mercedes to come to lunch with him. For the record, Shane is such a solid guy. I truly feel so bad for him in this situation. Yeah. It, this is the sort of thing they could have resolved at this episode. They just chose to drag it out more because drama. Yeah. Which, like, it's a TV show. I get it. I don't have to like it, but I get it. Um, and then yeah. the last scene of this episode, uh, Will and Emma, their little pamphlets. And he reveals one that says, so you were a jerk to your fiancé. And says that, you know, I love you and I'm so proud of you for making tenure. And he has made dinner for her, which I guess is like a reversal of his whole patriarchy thing earlier in the episode. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's only right that he should congratulate Emma on all the hard work that she has done. Which, like, that's a nice little bow to wrap that on. I would say the best song of the episode is um, maybe don't want to lose you that's fair i was gonna say uh the santana and la isla bonita yeah yeah they're good it, there are good numbers this episode i feel like every song this episode that was like a serious cover and not uh like la cucaracha yeah all of them were fine 
I, I wouldn't have even, even hated Will Schuster's Little S conversation if it wasn't done in such an offensive context. Like, if he had just stood up there in his normal clothes and started singing a Little less conversation, but also some of it's in Spanish, I might have even liked it a little. Yeah. But, like, um, that's not the point of the episode, so we didn't get that. And so next week, um, the episode is called Heart, and it is our Valentine's Day episode. In case you were really, really missing Sugar Mata, don't you worry. She gets, like, a whole episode centered around her. Pain, misery, suffering. <laughs> that is our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at SingSationsPod. That is S-I-N-G-S-A-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-D. Please vote in our polls. Please respond to questions we may or may not leave. Please give us ratings wherever you're listening. Uh, we love you. Goodbye. We appreciate it. Goodbye. Mwah.